Welcome to the latest Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. In this episode, we talk to Tim Schmoyer. Tim Schmoyer is from Buffalo, but he has uh, made his mark here and other places. So we talked to him about getting into music, uh, starting the band Manic Depression, leaving Buffalo to join the band up front. There was a there was a tour, a tour prank that made the national news, which we talked about as well. And we talked about his various projects that he had once he moved to Boston and his current band, Fibber. So enjoy this episode. Uh, Chris and Derek took the helm on this one, and we hope you enjoy it. Have a good week. Peace. Why do we think the problems that we bring will heal themselves and fade away? So don't get the picture of what they do. Lifting ourselves, we are the enemy. Let's pull together. All right, welcome to the latest episode of the Nickel City Soundtrack. Today, it's me, Chris. Derek. We're sitting down with... Uh, It's Tim Schmoyer. And uh, for those who don't know Tim, kind of just give a quick uh, resume. And then we'll dive deep into the aspects. Yeah, so I guess uh, in the beginning, uh, uh, in my Buffalo days, uh, I... Well, we'll kick it off with I started uh, along with Ben and Jake, uh, the band Manic Depression. Uh, And from there, uh, I moved on to uh, join Upfront, a straight edge band out of New York. But, you know, we were pretty much a kind of a Connecticut scene band because we did a lot of shows at the Anthrax in Connecticut. Uh, and after that, even though I should say uh, upfront is probably we are still somewhat together. I actually talk to those guys every single day. Uh, we've <laughs> we chat all the time. We haven't played in ever, but we're uh, and I can I'll, we'll get into that later. But uh, from after upfront sort of stopped being a full time active band, I moved up to Boston and joined a band called Idolon which was on Jade Tree Records. Uh, we were called Gravel, but I think there was a, I think it was a sub-pop band called Gravel at the time, and we got a sort of a cease and desist thing. Like, <laughs> hey, you got to change your name. So we had a, a release on, it was one of the very first releases on Jade Tree, which was uh, Tim Owens and Darren Walters. Uh, and that didn't last all that long. Uh, then started a new band called V-Card, like V is in Victor period card. Uh, and then as opposed to the other V card. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For those who know, <laughs> uh, and then slower than seasons was another band after V card. And then, uh, a band called capital radio, which, uh, put out a, a release on smorgasbord records, which is Jeff from Upfront's label. And uh, Glacier, uh, after after Capital Radio, or sort of towards the tail end of Capital Radio, was this band called Glacier, which is a post-rock band from Massachusetts, from Boston. You know, 13, 14-minute long songs, no vocals. I could go and 
order a pizza and eat it and come back and continue playing drums because there'd be long dropout periods where it was just guitars droning on. Uh, and then moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico about six years ago, and I've got a band out here called Fibber, which is a little more punk rock again. And yeah, there's, there's the music side. Oh, and I have a recording studio here too. Not what you're seeing here in the background. This is at home. <laughs> Hence why your audio is so good. <laughs> oh, so a, so good. let's let's start at the beginning of the Tim Schmoyer journey. What what was your first show? Oh, what, uh, let's start with <laughs> what was it that drew you to punk rock slash hardcore? Yeah. Uh, so in high school and and i'll say it was probably the the fall of 86 it could have been the summer i can't this is a little blurry um but i uh i got a tape uh from a girl who i'd known forever like we went to elementary school together all all the way into through high school and she gave me a cassette one day of Seven Seconds, which was the, it had, she gave me, I think it was The Crew, Walk Together, Rock Together. There was probably, there could have been skin, brains, and guts. There was, so that was like the A side, it was a whole bunch of Seven Seconds stuff. And the B side was Killing Joke, uh, their album Nighttime. Uh, and that was really one of my first introductions into that style of music. Prior to that, I would be listening to like, uh, I think I'd I'd record like Casey Kasem's <laughs> top whatever <laughs> countdown and like be like, oh, cool. Here's this Genesis song that's on the list or here's this Foreigner song, whatever. I mean, um, so that was kind of my, I kind of made that jump. Uh, I, there, Although there was a bit in bit before that where I was listening to like a lot of new wave stuff, uh, Depeche Mode. Um, uh, skinny puppy was probably in there <laughs> uh, a lot of that and then I, it's interesting I didn't really I sort of skipped the metal thing I got into Iron Maiden and metal bands like that after getting into punk rock and hardcore a lot of people seemed to made the transition it was like oh here's Iron Maiden here's here's this heavier genre of music that was a, still you know, maybe slightly more mainstream, but uh, but I kind of went at it from the other side. But either way, yeah. So the f so that's how I started to get into punk rock and hardcore, and the f because of that, the first show that I went to it's funny. I had a conversation with Mark Belanca about this because he had to tell me the date um, was, and this was epic. Uh, it was Third Man In, Youth of Today verbal assault and seven seconds and that was december of 86 it's like a dream show yeah, yeah right and it was i seven seconds only played a few songs because they kept blowing power uh mm -hmm. and it was at this uh, chris you might know there was like a i I feel like it was a, a a Unitarian church or some church that was on maybe like off of Delaware Ave or some. some I don't think it was St. George's. I think it was, I know what one you're talking about. Uh, 
It's on a flyer that's currently being covered by uh, a lamp, so I can't see it. <laughs> I, I was going to say, there's somebody there has to have the flyer. Um, but that was the first show I went to. Uh, and, you know, I pro- I, I, I'm sure I had, uh, I'm sure I had, you know, combat boots from that Army Navy store that was way downtown, mm-hmm. that surplus yep. store, and a trench coat. Like the first above, above <laughs> ground stop uh, yeah. on the subway. Yeah. yeah, that was like a you know every every few weeks or whatever we'd be like let's go down to the army surplus store, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, so that was my introduction into into my first show, and I I'm fairly certain my parents didn't know that I went to that show because one of the one of the people we went with she twisted her ankle and we because our plan was to walk home back to Amherst from there. <laughs> And she twisted her ankle and we had to call her mom Whoa. and they got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I remember oh, they sure. just dropped. I was like, can you just drop me off here at the, at this corner and I'll just walk home from here. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this was a time that like a lot of people listening may not be aware, but this is a time in Buffalo and probably just punking the hardcore in general, where there's probably like more Mohawks than anything else at these shows. Yeah, and, and the, you know the beginner uniform of like the army trench coat and combat boots. Yeah, and I think at that time I probably just I probably just I, actually I never had a mohawk, so mm-hmm. um, unlike uh, unlike Jake and Ben uh, who had the colossal mohawks, right? But, yeah, but I mean back I, then I, there was the Baker brothers, there was um, Steve Castile, among others. Yeah, and I definitely remember that show being a very mixed crowd for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I also recall when seven seconds, like when the, when the show was, when it was basically announced that oh, this it's it's not going to happen. We keep blowing power on stage. I remember distinctly watching urinals getting ripped off the walls in the bathroom. Like it just became utter mayhem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was at the St. George Orthodox Catholic Church. There we go. Um, was was it St. George's? Okay. Yeah. It's uh, December 11th. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I knew it was either the 10th or 11th. And I think, I think even that, like the, the next day, that, that same sort of lineup or some of those bands played again. I think, I think Mark said, oh, did you come the next night when Third Man In played blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, no, I had no idea. But I'm still anyway. in Buffalo? Like back to back in Buffalo, or yeah, that's 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 what was indicated. But mm. I, so at you that had, point, I was I was I was lucky just to get <laughs> to to get to this one. first show. So yeah. after that, I was like, okay, uh, I'm all in, and I and I'm pretty certain after that, I would listen to the hardcore show on BNY. That's how I. That was now I would start hitting play and record on on whatever cassette deck and just tape the whole thing and then start to pick and choose what I wanted to put on my own mixtapes you know so <laughs> were you already playing drums at this point or no no at that point yeah at <laughs> that point uh I was probably playing I was actually probably playing trombone <laughs> in the high school <laughs> band or something like that 
I came from a from a pretty musical family, so I started off playing violin at a young age, and then piano, and I played trombone and a few other instruments. But drums was always one of those things that I really wanted to play, and my parents were like, like many parents, what drums in the house? Not a chance. <laughs> so no, it, I didn't really start learning how to play drums until we started manic depression. <laughs> So, yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, sometime in, uh, well, uh, anyway, that's, there's the first show story. Uh, you can, if you want to have follow-up questions on that or Chris, whatever, whatever you want to go, wherever you want to go next. Well, <laughs> so how long, like how, how long between that first show and Manic starting, how, like, how much time was there? It had to have been close to a year. So as I recall it, uh, and this is the, this is the funny part. Cause I listened to the manic depression interview, uh, that y'all did. And <laughs> Jake, uh, uh, Ben was on fire. Yeah. That, that actually he was, he, Ben was Ben as I re- remember yeah. him, you know? Uh, I, I, and I should say, I, I, Ben was great. And Jake was was great, and and even Andy and Ara and Ben's brother uh, Arthur, you know, those were the kind of I guess those were the three guitarists or so, four guitarists, three, however many, yeah. Um, but we always had a good time. But yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember not to laugh at Ralph Sheehan, but I was laughing at that interview when. Uh, when you were talking about like Ralph having cancer and, and Ben saying something like, I think he owes me money. And you were like, ah, hey, he's got cancer now. He's like, Ben's like, I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Money's money. That guy owes me. <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah, that's Ben. <laughs> that, that's Ben. <laughs> we, we, after that interview, we had like a two hour conversation, me, Ben and uh, Bob. Like okay. a, another yep. like two hour continuous conversation. <laughs> it must have been hard to get that timing squared away because Ben's over in, in Japan, where where right? he is. Yeah, over yeah. where he is. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah, yeah but so, we got it. <laughs> so so going back to your your question. Uh, so as this is how I recall the beginning of manic depression is in senior year of high school. So this would have been. Uh, the beginning of the September of 87. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jake and myself were in the same homeroom class or something like that. And uh, at that point I had kind of been, I'd been going to shows uh, or at least I'd gone to a couple of shows besides that seven second show, uh, listening to the radio a ton. And I turned to, to, to Jake at one point I was like, Hey, I'm thinking of starting a band and Jake being the artist that he was drew this Mohawk punk guy punching a Nazi in the face. (laughs) And he just wrote, I think, I don't know if he wrote manic depression on it or, or I can't remember how the name came to be, but once I saw him draw that, I was like, all right, yeah, let's start something. Let's figure this out. Uh, And he, he knew I, I didn't really know Ben prior to that, even though I think we had been going to the same high school for the past three plus years. <laughs> uh, and all of a sudden it was like, okay, here's, 
here's me, Jake, and Ben starting this thing. And uh, I, I think for the most part, it was Ben's brother, Arthur, who, or I think that was his name, Arthur, uh, was our first guitarist. Uh, but I'm a little fuzzy on that. It could have been, it could have been Ara at some point. <laughs> Cause yeah, Ara, I'm, I'm not sure on that. I know yeah. once, once upon a time, Jake told me, uh, that I guess like you guys are like homeroom or study hall or something. And he comes in and you're like, I'm, I'm starting a band manic depression and you're in it. <laughs> That's how he told me the story. Well, it could have been something like that too. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so then we just sort of we we started something in that in fall of '87, um, and yeah, I uh, I'm trying to think, you know, I know there was there was we were trying to I listened to the interview again trying to figure out like when we played our first shows. I do remember we played a basement show, which I think is what uh, Ben had referenced in the interview uh, in Jake's basement uh, sometime in like mid, I think it was like November 19th, 20th. It was pretty right before Thanksgiving. And I I have to think that that was sort of our first show. Uh, I'm pretty sure we made a banner. I'm pretty sure I have a photo of me behind a drum set. it could have been mine. I could have borrowed it from somebody. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, to practice and stuff, since my parents didn't want me to have a drum set or anything like that, I would borrow people's drums and bring them over to Ben's, where Ben's mom lived. And that we that's where Ben lived for the most part uh, in the basement. So that's where we would rehearse a lot of the times. Uh, so eventually when I bought a drum set, it actually lived there for, I can't remember, at least a year before I was brave enough to bring it home <laughs> and be like, Hey mom, dad, look, I got a drum set. <laughs> then my mom was like, I always wanted to play drums. I was like, Oh, thanks. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So that's kind of how it started. And I, 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 you know, there were some other interesting first shows. There was a, or, or at least early on shows, I remember playing like this battle of the bands thing that was organized by uh, a music store, maybe out towards like Tonawanda or I, I, and I can't remember the name of the stores. Like I, I can't remember, but either way, I remember going in there one day and I, that's where I bought my drums from. And the guy was like, Oh, here, you know, we're doing this battle of the bands. You want to sign up? And I was like, yeah, sure. He was like, what kind of music do you play? And I was like, he was like, I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's kind of, I didn't want to alienate us. So I was like, I don't know. Maybe like some, it's like this middle of the road stuff between like, like kind of metal, but not. And he was like, all right, we'll call it adult middle of the road or something like that. AOR (laughs) adult, whatever. And I was like, okay. And we played and I think everybody ran for the hills. Um, And I also recall there being like, Continental did like open mic nights on certain nights. Does that ring a bell to you that, at all, that Chris? That seems vaguely familiar. And, and I, um, I, I can't remember if this is one of the nights that I snuck out of the house to go down to the Continental where we had to, we couldn't really go in until we played for 10 minutes and then you had to leave. But yeah. I do remember doing something like that and the Goo Goo Dolls were there 
before they, you know, they were just still like the brand new band as well. <clears throat> and I just yeah. remember Robbie and Johnny and George all just like flipping out in the front. <laughs> They're probably the only three people watching us. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the earliest stuff that I that I remember of of the Manic days. Yeah. Uh, what What do you think was the best show Manic played while you were in it, or what standout show that you didn't already mention? If there was one, huh? Yeah. Uh, from a Buffalo standpoint, it's it's I, I can't. I can't really recall there being something epic other than probably one of the first times we played river rock, you know, mm-hmm. cause that was kind of a big step from like playing a, either like a high school dance <laughs> to yeah. somebody's basement to all of a sudden actually playing at a show at an actual playing a show at an actual club. Um, however, in the, I think probably the most, the one that's most memorable is we, so my parents, my, my, I have aunt and uncles that live in Maine, uh, in Waterville, Maine, which is a, which is like an hour and a half north of Portland. Uh, and there's a, there's a college there called Colby College. And my, my uncle is the, was a professor, professor of the chemistry department or head of chemistry. But either way, my, my family used to go there every summer. We would spend weeks, if not like an entire month in Maine. And I remember in the, this would have been the the summer of the summer of '88, so we had graduated. Uh, <clears throat> at least Ben and I had graduated. We all went to Maine, like the whole band went to Maine, and it's like here's Jake and Ben, full mohawks, lying <laughs> on a dock on a lake in Maine. <laughs> oh, there should be a picture of that somewhere. <laughs> and. Uh, w- yeah, it was it was hilarious. Uh, but from that trip, we actually met a couple of people that worked at the local college radio station at Colby College. And so in the winter of 88, I, it was, I think it was probably 88. It could have been early 89, but we actually drove the van um, with our friend. You remember John Galehi, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, John was our quote unquote roadie because he had a car, <laughs> which he had this van, this yellow banana van, which I eventually bought from him. Um, but yeah, we drove to Maine to play one show at the uh, and at the student center at Colby College, and it was insane. There were so many people there, and it was like all of Portland had come up because there were a bunch of local bands and us, this touring band from Buffalo, New York, Manic Depression. <laughs> but there were, uh, I mean, for all I know, there were 50 people, but in my head, there were pro- there were there were hundreds of people. I mean, the place was packed and it was, that is the, from that point, I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is really a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's probably the most memorable show that I can recall, just because it was kind of early on and um, just so bizarre to like drive thirteen hours, play a show, drive home, yeah. another thirteen hours. <laughs> was there? I mean, being that time period, did you get like any like? I mean, that's a long way to travel with Jake and Ben and the way they 
particularly looked. Was there any like you ever get like pulled over or anything? No, I I remember it being pretty chill. I mean, even that even in that that however long that in that summer prior that we spent time up there. I mean, we probably spent like a week um, hanging out and wandering around town and stuff. And for the most part, you just get all the head turns, but. Uh, <laughs> Especially in rural Maine, people are what the, what the <laughs> hell is that? And like we'd be we'd we'd be like, hey, let's go get ice cream from the local ice cream stand, or let's go play putt putt, you know, mini golf, and <laughs> like just doing a normal everyday things. But here's Jake and Ben with their green and red spikes going, and it's just <laughs> at that time it wasn't all that common. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Strangely enough. <laughs> Especially in, um, in yeah. yeah, especially up there. Yeah. Uh, do you have any memories from recording the first demo? Oh, the the uh, nuclear winner? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, and I know this was touched on in that interview as well. Uh, we recorded that in the kitchen of Ben's, really, it was his dad's place, but also another right down the street from from his mom's and stuff. So yeah, that was, I mean, literally setting up a four track recorder in the kitchen. Uh, I, I'm sure we just bought some radio shack, crappy microphones. And in fact, an interesting thing about that is we recorded it all. And I didn't like the drums. Not that they're probably any better, uh, the second time around, but I actually retract all the drums over, the original ones and i don't remember if it was just because uh there was something about it that i was like oh, i can do this better but we already had all the like recorded the vocals and recorded everything else so unbeknownst to me at the time that's completely not typically how you would do it but somehow we managed i managed to play along to what we had already recorded yet again and so there's actually a couple of things on that cassette where you kind of hear like a an odd stick click at the beginning of a song that doesn't quite fit. And that's because it's, uh, it's like from the, the first time around. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, that was a, that was a lot of fun. I mean, it was just, and, and I, again, I know this was touched on in the other interview, but then we just, I had, I definitely had, uh, I think three cassette decks and we would just, just copy cassettes all day long you just and just make make the inserts and it would just be like oh we got to buy another 30 tapes okay i'm gonna start copying them um yeah and I, somewhere in my move from uh boston to out here in santa fe uh there is a a box of cassette tapes that has that is i can't find um, and that has, that has the manic depression that has the, uh, nuclear winter demo. So I've not heard it in ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't heard it in a really long time, but had, like, so after you were out of manic, did you ever like check out the recordings they did? No, I, you know, this was that, this was a, like, well, <laughs> we'll go here because my my split with manic was uh was i think kind of sudden well it was definitely a surprise to them i mean i i they had 
no idea. And I think leading up to that, so I should I should kind of give a little backstory, I think. So I spent in the fall of 88 was my first and only semester of college uh, at Buffalo State. Um, and in November of that year, instead played. Uh, they came through, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure it was at the Pipe Dragon. Um, yes, with uh, Gorilla Biscuits and some such. Yeah, I think so. So it would have been November, like this was again right before Thanksgiving, like in November or whatever of of 88. That and... lamp is also blocking the date on the flyer, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, this I, this I definitely know. It was I, I think it was actually the day before Thanksgiving. Um, and so instead played... Mike Madrid from against against all hope against, against the, wall. the wall against the wall was roadying with them or at least tagging along, and of course they needed a place to stay. And I said, "Hey, I've got this, I've got this dorm room. Uh, my roommate's gone home for Thanksgiving, so you know there's a bed for one of you, and if someone else wants to sleep on a floor, that's great." So I think I had Steve and Mike uh, stay in the dorm room, and I. <laughs> Man, I just remember the next morning we get up and it's, they look outside and it's bright sunshine, not a cloud in the sky. And these guys being from Southern California are thinking, ah, it's shorts and T-shirt weather. And I'm like putting on <laughs> like long johns and all this stuff. And they're looking at me like, what? what's this guy doing? And I didn't say a word. And they step outside and it's like 30 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> um, so meeting them, and I think that was the first time I ever had like offered up a band to you know come stay anywhere like whether it was at my dorm or at my house later on uh but i started to get this idea of like wow there's a lot of stuff going on out there and um i didn't think manic depression was the thing that was gonna allow me to do what these other bands were doing um it was and I think the musical direction that I was going, I was like, there's, there's something more. And I, and if I don't cut ties with what I'm doing now, if I, if I stay doing this, I think I'm going to miss out. So that's kind of how it went down. One day I was like, Nope, this is, I gotta, I gotta make this decision and I'm going to, I'm going to try for something else. I didn't know what that, I had no idea what that other thing was at that point. I, and I don't remember when that was exactly. It, it would have been. I want to uh, say it was maybe the spring of eighty nine, late, late or, spring, no. early summer of eighty nine. Because I remember uh, one of the times. I remember you being at ten twenty one, and you were going somewhere like the next day, moving away to somewhere like the next day or a couple days later, and that okay. was like in the summer. Well, so let's see, because I. I moved to join up front in the spring of, uh, let's see, so the spring of 90. 90, is that right? Yeah. Uh, spring of 90 was when I actually moved. And I think the, well, actually, no. Is that right? <laughs> see, here we go. Hold on. <laughs> so college semester was 88, so 89. 89 through 90 is yeah so it would have been yeah like early 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 spring late winter of 90 is when i actually moved um 
but I don't remember when I actually left uh, Manic. Although the you might be able to here's the here's everybody the flyers and all the info because they were talking about how we were going to play this show with Underdog, and then I said I'm leaving the band Underdog. That show will be my last show, and they said, well, if you're out, we're not going to play the show. So whenever that was that was may of 89 <laughs> okay so there you go yeah so may of 89 uh and at that point i was just trying to figure out what those other th- what that other thing was going to be in fact there was i forgot a band there was a band called lincoln logs which was a buffalo band that was a lot like Ten Thousand maniacs i think female vocalist mm-hmm. uh i was actually in that band for a short period of time um totally different but yeah by this uh it was the it was the summer of 89 that instead came back came back through this would have been i think their third time because they came through in the in 88 they They, came through again in 89 it was in spring yeah in fact i have a picture my mom took of us all hanging out in the living room of my house (laughs) <laughs> so they stayed again, and then that summer they came back through, and that was instead that up was front. That was summer of 90, I think. Or, uh, no, it would have been summer of 89. It was the 89 tour. Okay. Yeah, because it was up front, instead, possibly Gorilla Biscuits. Um, oh, yeah, it was fall. I know what show you're talking about. Yeah, it summer fall. Yeah, yeah, I know what show you're talking about. Yeah, um, and I had heard up front at that point. I had the Spirit album. In fact, I played that thing to death. Uh, um, and Matt Dunmire, who have you guys had Matt on yet? Not yet, but soon. Okay, so for, for those listening, uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt, and I met actually at Canal Fest. Um, does that still go on? Yes. <laughs> so I think it was Jake and myself at Canal Fest, just like doing whatever. And Matt, all this it was this skate little skate kid, right? That all of a sudden came up to us and started talking. And that's when I first met Matt. Now I can't remember that would have been, I don't know if that was eighty seven or eighty eight. I have no idea. Um, but but going jumping ahead now back to the that uh, instead and upfront. Uh, show so again instead I was like hey do you want to you know more than welcome to crash at my house uh, so they they crashed at my house up front crashed at my house with them um, a good chunk of unit pride was with them as well so there were I can't remember how many people I mean there must have been 12 <laughs> 12 people staying at my parents house and it was summertime so my mom and sister were in Maine where they would normally go uh, my dad was, I'm not sure where he was that night, but I'm pretty sure he came home and was like, oh my God, <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> Why is there uh, so many balls in the living room? <laughs> yeah, well, there's like, there's, there's three vans in the driveway and people sleeping wherever they could find. And I think I remember somebody like going outside and getting locked out. And nobody could, nobody would wake up to answer the door. So luckily it was summertime. So they like slept like on the front steps, <laughs> something like that. Um, but Matt was, was uh, pen pals with Jeff Terranova, who is the bass player in Upfront. Uh, and 
shortly after that tour, they had a they had an exchange of letters where Jeff wrote, well, Roger and Ari, who was the singer and drummer on that tour, are not going to continue. So we're basically looking for a singer and drummer. And Matt was like, you should you should try out. And I was like, yeah, really? And and so Matt kind of pushed me to to reach out to Jeff and I uh, I kind of ran with it. I, I reached out to Jeff and uh, drove out to to Eastern New York, just north of New York City. Uh, jammed with those guys for I spent a weekend out there uh, just playing and then hanging and drove back home and I, I it was it was probably another month or so before I heard back from them and they said, hey, do you want to move here? Uh, and I said, yeah, uh, I do. So that was, I, I was working at a grocery store and I needed to work for one year. And once I worked for one year, I would get like a two week vacation and I could cash that in for, for money. So pretty much on the, on the year, on like my year anniversary, I was like, cool. So do I get that vacation time? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, cool, I quit. Can I now have it as a payout? <laughs> um, so I packed up. At that point, I had bought a new van and, uh, well, not a new, new van for me. I can't remember where the yellow manic depression van went. <laughs> um, and moved to, moved to join up front. So that's where things really, that's where things really then I was like, okay, this is, this is what I was looking to do. You know, I didn't know when I left manic depression that this is what was going to happen. But uh, once I moved out there, I knew that this was the this was the thing for me. So, yeah. And and how long before you joined? Before like started recording or touring? Like which one came first? Uh, so we, let's see. We were we were still in the search for a singer for quite some time, uh, and. We did play some shows with Roger back on vocals. Uh, we played like Unisound in Pennsylvania, and uh, I think the it was the Safari Club down in DC. So we did a we did a, a a few shows with Roger while we were still looking for a singer. And when we couldn't find a singer, that's when Jeff was like, "Well, I'll sing. We can get into the studio because we've been." Uh, Mike Hartsfield from New New Age was like, "Hey, I, you know." We got to get this. We got to get this seven-inch recorded. Um, so we eventually just went into the studio as a three-piece: uh, John Field, Jeff, and myself, with Jeff doing bass and vocals. Uh, so that's when we recorded. That was October of October of ninety that we recorded the Daybreak seven-inch. Yep. And then, uh, then it was. It, it still took a while, and we eventually, I think we had tried out a few different bass players because Jeff was like, well, I'll just sing. And we just never really found anybody that fit. We had even, uh, I want to say it was like um, like Ernie's, Ernie from Token Entries, like Little Brother came out to try out for us, and we we really wanted that to work because we're like, oh, my God. it's. <laughs> uh, in fact, hey, look, here. Check it out. Not that you can. There, there we go. It's my oh, yeah. my, nice. my token entry painter's hat. <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so eventually it was just we found a bass player who 
knew nothing. I mean, he really he that he was not in the scene whatsoever. But it's who we could find, and he was willing to go on tour. Uh, he was not straight edge, uh, but at that point we were we weren't we had, we decided that that was okay that we could we, that we would still be all right and that we wouldn't lose I don't know street cred I guess whatever it was at the time we were like okay he fits he can play bass uh, we have a good time hanging out it was important that you could stand each other because you were going to be in a van for however long <laughs> so and my van was a stick shift and he was the only other person that could drive stick so i was like well this is great uh you can you can be in the band because then i don't have to drive 24 <laughs> 7 uh and so yeah we so we were playing shows and then we did our the first tour we did the first tour i did with them and all that would have been in the summer of 91 is when we hit the road again for real and we did uh we had come we'd actually played buffalo prior to that for sure we definitely played a river rock show um pretty sure with roger on vocals uh and i just don't that probably would have been in the spring of of 90 um somebody's got to have a flyer for that <laughs> i think no yeah, joke sure. i think no joke played yeah. um i think the, i think they were no joke at that point uh because were they solid state first and then no joke or no you're thinking snap case solid snap, state turned into snap case yeah I so think it's no very joke possible was, yeah because no, no joke, joke was no joke until they turned into something else in the 90s right right um, or something like that oh. yeah but it's possible solid state played that show too i, I can't mm. quite recall yeah, the, um, the flyer says special mystery band opening. So that, that was the, this is the upfront show. It's upfront release, no joke, and the special mystery band. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Rock, May twenty six, May twenty six of ninety, right? Yeah, most likely. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. That was the. Fr- I think that was my first trip back to to Buffalo uh, since moving. Uh, yeah, and I can't. Uh, I'm trying to remember when I actually like last saw the manic guys prior to that. I mean, I haven't seen, I don't think after I moved, I'm pretty sure I didn't see anybody really. I think I stopped in one time at 1021 well after I had moved, um, probably just before it was, before that <laughs> the kibosh was put on that and they had to move wherever Kensington or <laughs> yeah, there was Ken or, uh, yeah, we, Bird was before 1021 or was Bird after 1021? I think Bird was after. I think 1021 was the first, uh, that first crazy house of, of, I mean, you'd walk in there. I just never knew what was going to, what I was going to run into. Yeah. Yeah. That was that summer of 89. A lot of wild things happened there. So the couple of times I went there, so I can imagine what the whole time of it was. Yeah. But I, it's funny. I, you know, those are the, there's still some pretty humorous memories from from that time. Um, yeah, and I'm still, uh, well, you know, Facebook friends with a handful of those people. So, but yeah, so you know, we did that tour in in '91, summer of '91, and and I think in the fall we got approached by MAD in Germany, aka Mad, um, to uh, to do a a winter tour uh and 
actually John Field, the guitarist, in he was he the this sort of was when the end of Upfront as a full time band happened. Is John <clears throat> had finished up some community college and was going moving down to Richmond to go to school, go to 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 continue college, um, and so. So we were like, well, can we pull off this tour? And John's like, well, yeah, here's my date. Here's my winter break. You know, it's like a month. And so I wrote back to MAD and said, yeah, we definitely want to come to Europe. And here are our dates. So that summer of 91, uh, uh, sorry, winter of 91 into 92 is when we, uh, is when we did that first European tour. Um, and at the same time that was happening, so I knew, or the whole, all of Upfront knew that Upfront wasn't going to be a full-time band. We really weren't sure what things were going to look like. Um, but there was a, a guy by the name of Todd Rancic, who was a DC kid, uh, Virginia kid. He had a band called Touchdown, which was a straight-edge band from way back in that time. He was living up in Boston and had started this band, Eidolon slash Gravel, and... Uh, and reached out to Jeff and myself and said, hey, I need a bass player and a drummer for this thing. Do you want to move to Boston after your tour? Said, sure, why not? Uh, and so Todd actually came with us on the tour to, to Europe. And then after that ended in in January, uh, I was going to say probably early February, uh, Jeff and I moved up to, to Boston. Did he play with you guys in Europe? No, he just oh. was he he was our he was our Fugazi <laughs> guy. <laughs> jump around, hype he guy. Would jumping all over. He would get the he would get stage diving started at, at these shows. Um man. There's a there's a there's a club in uh Leipzig, Germany called Coney Island, which I'm sure mm-hmm. you have heard of. And that was, I think, our last, either our last show or second to last show on that tour. And that show was so amazing. Like we were just, the show was happening and then and hundreds of kids going nuts. And the next thing you know, they're throwing, they come out with these giant boxes, big moving boxes filled with confetti. And they just dumped the confetti all over the place. And kids were like just throwing it and stage diving. And if, if I, I'm pretty sure Rich, our bass player, he, he, uh, he slipped on it on stage and was just now lying on his back on stage. And people just buried him in confetti. <laughs> <laughs> and there is some video of that for sure. Uh, that's probably some of the earliest video stuff that we, that we have, but. Um, man, yeah, that was that was hilarious and awesome. But yeah, so from there, that's when you know upfront was sort of, you know, we had I think we had actually said upfront is this is we're we're done, and we played one of our what was supposed to be our last U.S. show at Middlesex Community College in New Jersey, and that was with like, uh man, Turning Point, and I think. It was a massive show. Uh, could have been Sick of It All. Could have been Leeway. Could have. Been, I mean, there were so many bands, and it was Mouthpiece played because I know Tracy McMahon was the one that put the show on. And I, 
Then when we played more shows in the U.S. after that, she was a little mad because she's like, that wasn't your last show. <laughs> We're like, yeah, we thought it was going to be. Sorry. <laughs> and here we are in like 2023 and shh, don't tell anybody, but I think we're going to Europe in the spring. The <laughs> <laughs> um, U.S. is going to be mad. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, the U.S. doesn't care about us anymore, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that maybe not be entirely true but europe is always right i mean we've we've seen it uh europe is always a stronger place for for bands i i think maybe not necessarily a u.s tour but like a well-placed fest or two i think that yeah that would that would build some excitement yeah yeah and we've we've you know tried scheduling as it is even now when uh we are spread out. Upfront is spread out all over the place, right? So I'm here in in New Mexico. Uh, John is still in Richmond, Virginia. He's you know uh, he's but the and let's see. So then Jeff is now back in California. He's in Long Beach, uh, and Rich, our bass player, is in he's in New York. He's outside of New York City. He's in like the White Plains area. Um, but even just even now that we're past like so john was the only one that had kids um so one of his kids is in college the other one will be going to college soon um so there's more time to some degree right because you're not taking care of kids all the time and this and that but for us to try to get together is almost impossible still it's just we we're <laughs> we're always so that's why i mean we we chat every day but we uh but trying to get together is is tricky so it'll be interesting so like when we talk about going to europe or playing some fest in the states it's always like okay well let's figure out a let's figure out the like two weekends before that we can all figure out let's get together rehearse the set and hang out and then we'll be good for that show and it you know 10 times out of 10 it never happens (laughs) (laughs) i mean the Um, meshing four people's adult lives is not easy ever yeah Yeah. I mean, our closest that's happening is, uh, so, you know, there's the Gorilla Biscuits shows that are coming up in February, but then they've got the other shows that they've announced um, March 31st in Richmond, April 1st in Baltimore, and then a Sunday matinee in Connecticut. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm flying out to Richmond on Friday, that Friday, and John and I are going to go see Gorilla Biscuits that Friday night in Richmond. And then we're going to drive up to Baltimore and see Gorilla Biscuits again on Saturday and then drive back to Richmond and I'll fly home Sunday. Like that's, <laughs> that's how the schedule of things. And it was, we were like, Hey Jeff, you should, you should try to fly out from LA, you know, and then we can, you know, most of us can be hanging out together. Yeah. Uh, but I think it'll just be John and myself, but you know, I know John got together with some folks when the for those last Youth of Today shows that happened, um, <clears throat> and I my schedule was too full to be able to fly out to the East Coast for that. So, so I was like, okay, we'll do Gorilla Biscuits. This will be great. So, it's <laughs> far enough in advance that I could that I didn't have anything on my calendar. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. So that was kind of so- you know how upfront kind of. And well, we've just sort of we, been trudging we, along. Yeah, before we leave up front to the next thing, uh, we got to talk about the gnome. 
<laughs> oh man, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have uh, more water because <laughs> that would have been a mess. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those who don't know, we'll leave out names. Uh, a garden gnome went on a tour of the United States and uh it made it as far as, as newsworthy it made it i think it was to a current affair oh wow is that big oh yeah, yeah wow <laughs> because the the family of this gnome had no clue like this gnome left oh somebody stole our gnome and then however long a tour last distance time wise the gnome comes back with a with an envelope of pictures of all the places the gnome went, and and I I saw it on the current affair, and I think it was a current affair, whatever like show like that, and the the woman being like, yeah, we have no idea. There's just this pack of pictures of the gnome like on the beach at the Grand Canyon, here, there, everywhere. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, Brilliant. Uh, yeah. That sounds about right. So, <laughs> Can I ask which uh, instrument decided to do this? <laughs> what? Do you, what? Do you, I'm not sure. I understand the question. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well. Well. Um, so yes. In fact, this is on the upfront. Uh, this is on the upfront webpage. So it's it's uh, it's probably buried in there somewhere. Anyway, it's still there though. And in fact, I have it's. I have the article <laughs> if you haven't seen it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it, so this band was getting ready to go on tour. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know how we decided that this would be fun or that it would be something that we should do, but we, we did anyway. So as we were gearing up for our that summer tour, um, it was decided that we should take a mascot with us. And so the whole thing was everybody just as you're driving around or doing your day-to-day things, you know, and this is probably maybe a few weeks before hitting the road, look for, look for something that we can take with us. And it could be anything from like the little lawn jockeys, uh, the guy holding the lantern to a gnome to just anything. And so, where Rich lived around the corner from his house was this gnome stuck in the middle of someone's lawn with flowers around it. It was, I mean, it was, it was very purposely done and you could tell that it was something they cared a lot about (laughs) (laughs) unbeknownst to us. We're just like, well, okay. So then, so we, we decided that this was our, our target. (laughs) And so the night before leaving tour, someone <clears throat> went over there <laughs> and <laughs> at, at like whatever it was, you know, under the, sh- the cover of darkness, expecting to just be able to grab this gnome and walk off with it. <laughs> well, this thing had a piece of rebar jammed up it so that it was not easily movable. Like I had to wrestle that thing <laughs> to get it 
out of the ground and into my arms. And I was, I was like, Oh my God, I must be making so much noise. This is, <laughs> this is bad. But of course, what did we not have then? Well, we didn't have cell phones, their cameras, things like that. So unless someone yeah. was actually, uh, you know, up and watching what was going on, nobody's going to ha- or have heard something, you know, there's no video evidence of this ever happening. So, so I finally got this thing unwedged from its rebar up the butt, basically. <laughs> and, um, and then it, it came on the road with us. So we, we X'd it up. Uh, and it, it was holding, uh, you know, what, what it was holding a beer Stein. So we, we called it, it's, it's a Stein of natural soy beverage. And we named him Finnegan. Uh, his full name was actually Finnegan J. Fellatio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was Finnegan, the hardcore moshing gnome with his Stein of all natural soy beverage. So that's that's when anybody asked us what his name was. It was that whole thing. <laughs> and yes, that uh, traveled, went to Niagara Falls, right? Because we played Buffalo. And then so we had a day off after that. And I was like, all right, we're going to Niagara Falls, right? So there's the gnome hanging out at Niagara Falls. And then, then you know, is in Chicago in front of Wrigley Field. And then... Uh, yeah, so so the gnome travels across the country and back, and again, you have to wait for film to get developed, and we also had to wait for us to have enough money to develop all these pictures because it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't cheap for any of us. So we finally got all the pictures developed, and yeah, we we put the gnome back probably a good month after we got back from tour with I'm home vacation pictures. So. <laughs> There was a local news article about it, and then the Associated Press picked it up. My mom called me and said, I just saw Finnegan on the news. (laughs) 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 And yeah, I don't think uh, she may have seen it on Current Affairs or or CNN, because again, because Associated Press had picked it up, it was at that point, it was whoever, you know, it was all over the place. and yeah, we never uh, we never confessed that. Uh, two years later, we took all the videos that we had, where uh, where none of us were. You know, you'd only see the gnome, you wouldn't see any of us. And we made a videotape and put it on their put it on their steps, like <laughs> video of my vacation. You know, it didn't quite get the same publicity, but either way, we just and we've just that's it. We uh, people have said like, oh man you should totally sue expedia for stealing your your ideas and we're like oh "Um, yeah 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 i don't think we can really claim any of that (laughs) it'll be really hard i always wondered though like you know i mean clearly somebody (laughs) saw the story and did that uh the expedia thing but so that prank inspired me to do a prank oh good i Uh, love it well it didn't work out how it should have but uh at a show, I stole Scott Vogel's sneakers. <laughs> you, mean Sorry, Scott Scott. From, you mean Scott from North Buffalo? Yeah, Scott, Scott from North, North Buffalo North. sneakers. <laughs> and my plan was I was going to take pictures of the sneakers in various places around Buffalo and then leave them on his porch with the pictures. It only got as far as me stealing his sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that didn't 
Yeah, that didn't work out. It didn't so pan what? out. Like it didn't play out how it should have. So, so why? Like, what, what, what happened? <laughs> that you just now had a pair of his sneakers, and you're like, I'll get I, around. You know, to it. it was, it was. He, I guess, he had loaned the sneakers to like Mike Ski or something, and Mike Ski brought them to a show, and they were in like the shirt box, and I was just like, oh, this will be funny, so I took them, <laughs> and then, um, uh. And that's as far as it got. Like, I don't know why I didn't follow through on it. I think I was just like, eh, I don't really feel like doing this and just threw them aside in my apartment or whatever. <laughs> Did you, uh, the question is, where? so where are the sneakers now? Where, or what happened? Oh, I have you, no clue. We're talking like 25 years ago. So did he ever get them back? You're just like, hey, I he stole your sneakers. Here you go. He, did not, he definitely did not get them back. And I don't know why I didn't just say, hey, here. I was told there was a, I don't know if, if, I don't know, Scott, if you remember this, but there was like a six month period where he wouldn't talk to me. And I remember saying to Jeremy Smith, I was like, yo, like, I don't, why isn't Scott talking to me? And he just looks at me, because you stole his fucking sneakers. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, and you didn't take any pictures or go any cool places with them. So, right. Like, the prank just became theft. (laughs) he's gonna just you wait some some point down the road he's gonna be like you owe me 50 bucks (laughs) right or he's gonna be like hey i need to stay at your house and steal some of my sneakers yeah (laughs) right yeah yeah you better you better keep an eye on that stuff over your right shoulder there yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i will um, wrong if you don't have it or have not seen it i will uh I will email you. I will. I, I. I won't do it now, of course. But I have. Um, I have photocopies at least of that Noam article. That's great. Um, yeah. And his I real name was. The- his real name was Rufus. Uh, yeah, and just everything in the article, everything you know, Chris said about it is true. I, the, they were like, we have no idea. Um, although they thought, and this pissed off our roadie Shagger Dave, and it pisses him off to this day. Because again, as far as as far as up front goes, Shagger Dave is also the, the unofficial member of the band. Um, but it was always Shagger's arms that were. If we went into a new state, he would be the one holding up the gnome. So you would see, like, from his, you know, wrist or like mid forearms up. And in the article, it says well, it must have been. It looks like it must have been a, a young couple because it looks like a, a woman's hands, <laughs> woman's arms in the in all the pictures. And Dave's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so so to this day we you know we always talk about shagger's lady arms oh poor shagger <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's gonna uh, be like it's, great it's, now now it's out there on this thing now we're recirculating yeah. the story 30 years later thanks a lot uh, guys <laughs> good stories never die no but you don't you don't hear about bands doing good pranks like that anymore or like in a long time like such a good one and we tried for europe we wanted to pull something like that off for europe and it just after that first one nothing was going to be the same because it just (laughs) it was because it worked so perfectly like we 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 couldn't have dreamt that it the fact that it got picked up by the new various news organizations is just you could go see if the you could go see if the gnome is still there and take out this run Yeah, yeah yeah i think uh i know rich at one point 
did a little Facebook stalking and I think like the daughter was on Facebook, but I'm fairly certain I remember him <laughs> saying that the, the family has moved or something. So I, I think it's, it may no longer be there, but um, again, we've, we've, we've had these thoughts of like, maybe we should finally reach out after so many years and, and yeah. come clean. And we're like, no, 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 no. we shouldn't. <laughs> no. And hopefully they don't listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely hashtag Rufus the gnome. <laughs> it's going to start trending almost immediately. Yeah. This is yeah. what will make us go viral. Definitely. Yeah. Post an article, some pictures. Yeah. <laughs> like we'll, we'll have I, a picture of the gnome as the picture for the episode. <laughs> I will. Uh, I definitely will send. A, I will email you y'all the the article a copy Thanks. of it so you can laugh at it <laughs> i know one of the records you used uh i don't know if it's on the am b side or just the b side but the picture of rufus yeah it or, was the, or finnegan yeah it was the the changes uh seven inch is that it right is that the changes seven there it inch? is uh, finnegan at the beach what fire does oh that's what fire okay so is that yeah. yeah so what fire man that might be one of my favorite seven inches that we did yeah uh that, I like uh, Daybreak more, but what's that? I like Daybreak more, but I, you know, I I love Daybreak as well. I think what I I, I struggle. So I struggle with this as now being a recording engineer and and doing all this. Is I hear these things and I and I think, man, we could have done that so much better. Um, and I think Daybreak is one that we could do way way better but there's also something about the classic recordings you know that it's like why why change some of these things like yeah. i actually now have i have the spirit lp i have all the multi-tracks for that so i could remix spirit um i could remaster spirit we actually had to kind of do a pseudo remaster because it just got repressed so this is probably going back like a year and a half ago um <clears throat> It got repressed, but the original platters uh, were trashed. So, um, and we had no, there was no way of, nobody had, we didn't have the original masters. So, so I ended up having to remaster it and try to line it up, try to line up the spacings between all the songs. So it sounded identical. And at that point I was like, wow, we could, if we want, we can actually remaster this and change the tones a little bit. Because John was always like, I didn't love my guitar tone on on Spirit. And I was like, yeah, but you know what? Man, I've been listening to that record since it came out. I love it as is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, Daybreak, I am actually working on um, remixing it. Uh, maybe something will happen with it, uh, you know, or but it's mostly for, mostly it's therapy for me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's cool like you know the records stay as they are and like you know digital is like yeah. updated or whatever you know so if you're listening to on your headphones or whatever at work yeah. yeah so daybreak was your first real studio experience that, that was my first studio experience yeah were you, were you intimidated at all or like or yeah I uh yeah it was it was really kind of crazy. Like I had no idea what to expect. Um, 
the good thing is, is back at back in those times, and it still happens a ton today. Is you know we did it all live, so it's just like a rehearsal. Um, oh, you know, you're just playing along, but you're like, crap, I just screwed up. All right, we got to do it again. Um, but it was it was it was really it was really cool. Um, it actually happened on my birthday, so it was like extra, like wow. <laughs> Record. I'm in the studio for the first time in my life, and it's my birthday. Oh, this is fun. We should do this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so and I saying, think that that oh, studio. Sorry. I think we just didn't. Uh, I, although it sounds okay, I I think uh, we went to a studio that where the guy didn't really know hardcore music. Right? We didn't go down to New York where everybody else was going. You know, we did. So I think some of it could have suffered from from some experience all around with the style of music uh, and capturing the tones that we like and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it um, seems to be a, a thing that a lot of bands that weren't from like New York or L.A. faced was uh, engineers who didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I uh, let me think about you know, so then, because we did Daybreak, and then was the changes seven inch next? I think, which is, uh, which is sort of. A, there's some good songs on there, but we at that point had were like, those songs don't don't really fit with with anything that Upfront was to some degree. Um, and then <clears throat> that's what I mean. Like the What Fire does that we. Where there's a studio up in Boss in Boston, north of Boston, that I had recorded at, because <clears throat> at that point I had started V Card, okay. um, so this was a, uh, uh, and actually Al Quint, who you probably know, Al had some bands and he had recruited myself and Scott, who was the guitar player in V Card. He was also the guitar player in Idolon. Um, he was also, if you remember, there's a Boston hardcore band called Said and Done. Okay. Um, so Scott Vingers and uh, Chris Lorden were two of the four members of Said and Done, and it was Chris, Scott, and myself that were V-Card. But anyway, so Al had recruited myself and Scott to uh, to play on this seven-inch of this band he was doing, this project, and that's where we met the guy that <clears throat> we recorded. V-Card recorded a bunch of stuff there, and then I was like, when Upfront was getting ready to record the What Fire Does, that's when everybody came up and re-recorded there. And I think that's, sonically, I think that's our most, one of the best sounding ones that we did. Yeah. That was that was somewhat of a reunion record, right? Or Yeah, because it was the first one with Steve back on vocals. And so Steve Keeley was the original singer uh, and was the singer on the Spirit album. So... <clears throat> At that point, we actually became a, we were a five piece because with Steve coming back in, then Jeff was back, Jeff went to bass and Rich, who was playing bass when Jeff was singing, we were like, well, we can't, we're not going to kick Rich out of the band for this. So Rich, you're playing second, you know, well, now we have two guitar players. This is great. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I gotta was, tell uh, you, let me let me just tell you one thing. We've been talking now for I don't know whatever like an hour plus, and it's so weird to actually talk about all this stuff sometimes because I t- I typically don't talk a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully I'm doing all right. 
No, you're doing great for someone <laughs> yeah. who doesn't talk. Yeah, for sure. So what 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 was after uh, V card? Like how far did V card get? Oh, V card was probably V card did. We went to Europe with Upfront. Uh, Actually, the when Europe when Upfront went to Europe in '94. At that point, V card was full on, and I said, "Yeah, I'll go back to Europe, but can V card?" open can we tag along at that point it was just two v card was a three piece um mm-hmm. so it's just two additional members two additional people to throw in the van not a big deal um for me it was tiring because i was playing drums in two bands each night yeah. so uh but v card was uh and again v card unfortunately was around in a time before streaming and this is on my big to-do list um is to get v card stuff up online so V-Card ended up being a, a we were we're sort of an East Coast jawbreaker, I guess is okay. a way to describe us. It was that, uh, and you know see, we were kind of a blend, some blend between like the DC, the DC style and the Bay Area style of music. Um, and man, we had a that was a that was a really we were together for maybe five, four or five years. Um, we were on Allied Recordings, which is uh, John Yates, who's out in the Bay Area, who runs Steelworks. That's probably what he's, you may know him for. Um, but he had this label called Allied Recordings. Uh, <clears throat> and we put out a couple of seven inches and uh, two full lengths with them uh, before we broke up we were actually getting ready we we had songs ready to to come out on uh we were in negotiations with fueled by ramen uh to put a seven inch out and then we broke up so that took care of that um but yeah we we did we toured the we toured the u.s uh did a full tour of the u.s once did the east coast a bunch uh you know we played with bands that were starting out around the same time as us such as hot water music um, you know, nobody, they, we played their, a house show with them at their, at their house in, uh, would have been Gainesville. Uh, and shortly after that, you know, we, we probably, we, we probably did a, we must've done like three or four, maybe even five like East coast trips. And almost all the time we, we would end up with hot water music somewhere along the way. Um, and then, yeah, we did, uh, a full U S tour culminated in you know california with far side and game face um and we had played with game face in boston when they came through uh and that's another band that i stay in touch with uh todd who's the one guitar player in game face uh we chat quite a bit so you know like a lot of like a lot of bands and people uh Man, these are friendships that last a lifetime. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty epic how that how that works. It's like and things happen, and it's like it's you can not see or talk to somebody in however long, and that you you catch up with them at whatever point in time, and it's like nothing has passed. You just pick right up, start yeah. talking music and fun. So, so yeah. So V Card was was good, and our uh, we had we had been we had been talking you know, sort of early on in the pandemic about possibly getting together and doing some more recording. Uh, And unfortunately, 
uh, our singer Scott passed away uh, a little more than a year ago. So that's pretty much off the table, but it also is the reason why I really want to get get a lot of these recordings uh, out online uh, just because I think uh, I just think it'll be it. There's people I think that'll like it. And yeah, um, yeah. so at some point that'll happen. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so that was the V card days. And from that, uh, you know, I said there was this other band slower than seasons, which was, um, kind of more indie rock, but still pretty driving. And, uh, Capital radio was, was, uh, a pretty rock band. Actually that Capital radio you can find online on that's on, um, that's on all streaming platforms. And Jeff, Terranova, Jeff Upfront, Jeff Smorgasbord. Um, that came out on Smorgasbord. So if you go to Bandcamp, you can find it there. <clears throat> but again, or Spotify or Apple Music. Uh, All right. Yeah. Capital Radio. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. We we had some we had some pretty good shows too. As you can see over my shoulder, there's a, a little rancid flyer. And so we had played <clears throat> Scott Deltonic. So there's a band called Deltonic from Boston and uh, when they, Scott was the singer of Capital Radio, uh, and Scott and I have known each other for, for years. Uh, and so when Capital Radio was starting up, I pulled him in, uh, and he knew the guys from Rancid. He knew Tim. He knows Tim very well. So uh, we got on some shows with Rancid over the years. Uh, played a good Rancid, sick of it all show, um, in Boston. So yeah. So that that poster over my shoulder is actually Chris from V Card. Uh, when I was moving out here, had that poster framed, and it's just all the dates of shows for this one little East Coast run. So, cool. yeah, yeah. Was that the band that was? Which what, what was the band that was on uh, Jade Tree? Jade Tree was Idolon. Um, e I D O L O N, and that was pretty short lived uh it was really meant to it was very accessible it was the most accessible thing i had ever done or then again prior to that i was in manic depression and up front so there was nothing <laughs> like overly um but when i heard what todd was doing in in eidolon and i was like wow this is it was you know very alternative rock college definitely geared towards college rock i think that you you can find online um and at the time, uh, Todd had recruited to play from a studio perspective, uh, Vic Bondi from Articles of Faith, and oh, man, name all the bands, <laughs> name all the name everything that Vic has done. Uh, but Vic played on that, and it it is a very polished record for sure. A lot of money was definitely spent. <laughs> I think. Probably Jade Tree probably wasn't too happy with that, but they were just starting out, so they were like, yeah sure budget here have some dough let's make it let's you know give us a good record so um but that that was it just that never took off the way we the way we wanted it to uh and it sort of it just it just never really got off the ground um but from that came v card because scott who is the singer in v card and said and done when Eidolon was falling apart, Scott and I were like, well, let's, let's just keep something new going. Um, 
And Chris, who has played bass in Said and Done, said, had just finished, graduated from college and was like, all right, well, I'm moving back to Boston, so I'm in. And that's how, how V-Card started, basically from the ashes of Eidolon. Did you so, get a uh, check from Epitaph when Epitaph bought the Jade Tree discography or the Jade Tree catalog? Hmm. You may hmm. want to look into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to see if maybe somebody did. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's another thing. Like Todd, uh, Todd uh, Rancic, who started Eidolon and was the singer and was in Touchdown. Um, yeah, he's he's a graphic artist out and he lives in the in the bay area or somewhere around there uh and he's been threatening to to come down to we've been threatening in general to get together and like record some stuff because he's he has a ton of music that he wants to lay down and uh the bass player in idol on this guy Dwayne, who lives in in maine is all in and flying out here at some point so there could be something one of these weekends over the next who knows year two years <laughs> by the time again by the time you can coordinate people's schedules uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but uh you know that was the other thing like you know the pandemic you know we a lot of us started chatting again because we were just sitting at home doing nothing trying to figure out and the next thing you know you're like oh let's someone someone reaches out to you and you're like man we should let's start writing some music and everybody was doing stuff remotely and this and that i mean even you know to go off topic, even, you know, Mark and, and the zero tolerance guys, right? Like yeah. I've been in chatting with Mark. I'm like, Hey, if you ever need to get vocals done for anything and you don't feel like flying back to Buffalo, you're only an hour away. Come on up. There you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, who knows whether that'll, whether that'll happen. The last time I talked with Mark, he was sort of, sounds like everybody's schedules are still in zero tolerance or all over the place. So it, there's, there's, there's been recent talk of schedules working out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's funny because I, well, jumping back way back, you know, I didn't really know. I, I knew the zero tolerance guys, but I didn't really know the zero tolerance guys. Right. Because, mm-hmm. um, we just didn't, uh, Man, depression circles. and zero tolerance weren't weren't really all that tight. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and not that I ever had a problem with with any of them, but I mean, it's just you know the fact that I was in manic depression, it just was just made it different to some degree. Uh, but then when I learned that Mark lived just an hour away down the road to here, you know, <laughs> I, had, yeah. I had reached out to him I'm like, "Hey, Mark, how's it going? I know we didn't really hang out back in Buffalo, but..." He's like, oh yeah, you know. So he actually like on his episode. Did you listen to his episode? I did. Yeah, because he actually like he was actually like pretty positive about manic depression. Like, and he even admitted like, you know, that was then. But he was like, man, manic was you know good. Yeah, or whatever yeah. was what he said. And I we we had some uh, conversations back and forth about man. I hope uh, you know. I hope there wasn't any any ill will between us. Like I was thinking in my head, like, did I ever do anything to like piss off anybody in zero tolerance? You know, just, you know, just by being like, well, if they're going to rag on us, we should rag on them. Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and I met, I, I ran into Darren when he was playing in, in Goldfinger. I think I did 
I either did sound for them at a club in Boston or V card opened for them. I can't remember which, but all of a sudden this guy comes like walking down the stairs loading in. And I was like, Darren. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Actually V card did quite a bit. We played, we played some pretty decent shows um, in our time in Boston. We just happened to, we just happened to be hitting, getting somewhat quote unquote popular at a time when a lot of bands were coming through like that. Um, you know, less than Jake and bigger bands like Goldfinger and uh, Real Big Fish, I think was another one that we mm-hmm. played with. <laughs> so, and all the, the, the ska circuit, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was weird. For some reason, we we seemed to fit on those bills. I don't know. <laughs> Darren will tell you that they were not a ska band. Uh, yeah. I know I'm as a ska band. <laughs> <laughs> He will tell you they were not a ska band. <laughs> I, I think I would tend to agree with him to s- a little. <laughs> I'm just saying because I know it bugs him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like saying Scott from North Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's another person that I sort of reconnected with in the pandemic because I knew Scott. You know, that was the thing. When I left Buffalo, things were... Uh, things were definitely happening. Um, uh, but that, you know, I guess Vogel to me is like the next generation. Right. Mm-hmm. So there were a bunch of those bands that I just didn't. And, and people that I, 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 I was gone when all that stuff was happening, you know, uh, it was just, it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to then all of a sudden be like, Oh my God, Scott's in, Scott's got this band terror. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I would see him at shows, but it, we, we didn't hang out too much. That's the thing. It's hard to remember so far back, like who Matt Dunmire and I were, we were attached at the hip for those shows. I mean, we were, we were at every show together. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, even yeah. So and so, I talk to Matt every now and then, but that's another person that I just uh, you know I haven't chatted with a lot. But I'm sure that if we got together, we'd just be like, hey, just yeah. like old times, yeah. you know. Uh, so what what do you got going on currently? I, I feel like you had something, or am I imagining that? Fibber, right? Uh, yeah. So um, so Fibber is my current band out here in Santa Fe. Uh, we're in a little bit of a transition right now because we were a five piece, went to a four piece and now we're working out as a three piece. So, <laughs> which is, which is fine. It makes, uh, the democratic side of things easy. Either it's a unanimous vote to do something or it's a two to one. So, uh, <laughs> makes, makes life easy. But yeah, so between, uh, so Fibber is more on the punk rock side of things, um, with, some you know definitely the hardcore edge but there's you know it's just uh it's it's interesting playing it's interesting playing this style of music now because there's nobody there's nobody out in santa fe there are people in albuquerque but there's not a lot of people here in santa fe that uh know the style of music that i grew up with and continue to listen to right it's um luke our singer 
uh, is actually, I should say Luke and Alex, they're both, they're both in tune with this stuff. Cause Alex, Alex, um, he did a lot of sort of promoting at a, at a youth space, uh, here in Santa Fe, you know, a dozen years ago, 10 years ago. Um, so he, you know, he's booked bands like I think Gorilla Biscuits actually played here. And he's like, yeah, my band opened for Gorilla Biscuits however long ago, you know. So but it's interesting to find to find like minded people about certain things and have a, a, a conversation about like, oh, well, let's do it in this style. Or remember this band? And they're like, uh, I think I've heard of them, you know. So um, but yeah, so but Fibber's Fibber's good. This, you know, I think as a three piece, our sound will will change a little bit more. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I can't say exactly what the direction is going to be. Uh, and then I've, and then I've got this recording studio that I co-own uh, with a partner out here. So you know, recording bands and uh, I do live sound at various venues around town. So, um, you know, that's kind of been a. Th- that was a big part of uh, another big part of my life in Boston is I worked for Blue Man Group as a front of house sound engineer for uh, 11 years. So um, so doing live sound and has always been something I've been uh, I've been doing that for for decades now. So so having the studio here and still playing and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's amazing that how how. Uh, <laughs> where where I was in Buffalo and you know growing up in the mid 80s to to here uh, I I guess there's no way I could have said back then that I would be doing this now although I was you know I, as I said earlier uh I knew there was something else out there uh and moving and joining up front was definitely a big step in in making in in having all of this stuff happen so yeah. it's uh it's kind of crazy yeah i meant i meant to ask you earlier like you you were saying how you wanted you were looking for something else yeah was up front what you expected it to be or was it uh like a uh, rude awakening <laughs> uh no it was uh yeah i guess i wasn't sure what to expect but it was uh it it definitely was more than what I ever thought would would come of of that, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I I can't even. I guess I can't really put into words what it what that what that was or or how I. It just was like okay, this is. I've just moved from. I've taken all my belongings, <laughs> put them yeah. in a van, <laughs> and driven across the state, which. You know, oh, it's eight hours away from Buffalo. Not really a big deal, I guess. Is you know nowadays it's like, oh, well, I can just drive over here. Not, um, but at the time it was definitely like a complete uh, huh, cathartic moment. I don't know. It was something. It was it was this thing that uh, I had no idea at the time that it would that it what it would become or what journey it would take me on. I mean, even starting Manic Depression and being all excited about playing music for the first time, right? Even though I'd been in high school bands and stuff like that, I, you know, you never know at the time, like what something's going to be. And so Manic Depression was, was, 
that first taste of like, okay, well, here's, here's what it's like playing music in front of people that are jumping all over the place and doing this. And you're, you sort of start to, in your formative years, you start to really figure some things out about how, what you want, what you think you want your life to be like, I guess. Um, and so that was, you know, there's, there's nothing about anything that I've done that I would necessarily change. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's all, it, to me, all of these things get you to, they all get you to where you are right now. So, um, you know, are there ways, are there things that I've done over the years that I wish I'd handled differently in certain situations? Of course. But I mean, I don't think it's necessarily been something that's like, Oh, if I had only done that or said (laughs) this, I wouldn't be here right now. (laughs) If we only hadn't taken Rufus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no. I mean, I think all of that, all of it is just like it's been a, uh, and it continues to be, right? I mean, it's, this is, I, I can't tell you what'll happen tomorrow. For all I know, there'll be a, uh, somebody will approach me and be like, hey, I'm starting this, I'm starting this late 80s, early 90s hardcore uh, throwback band. You want in? I'd probably be like, <laughs> yeah. let's do this (laughs) like if mark if mark b called me up and was like hey i'm thinking of doing this thing uh you know a new zero i mean mark hasn't done anything other than zero tolerance right so not i mean yeah i think that was the uh, that was the last thing you really did yeah like zero tolerance so this world rejected yeah so if he were to call and say hey i want to start this thing i'd probably be like yeah let's let's see what we can do yeah yeah (laughs) I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You but that's the thing, to, right? You never know. Put it out there, man. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. you never know what people are are sitting around thinking. Like, you know, I wonder, I wonder if I could do this, and then you know, it just takes one little spark of something to all of a sudden have mm-hmm. something else come about it that that throws everybody. You're like, uh-huh, we had no idea that this was going to happen. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So. So this will be the last question, uh, and it's a new question. (laughs) What's a band that you think everyone should listen to? Oh, man. Uh, You know, that is a tough one. (laughs) That is a tough one. Man, it's funny because I, 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 I find myself not knowing some of the new bands that are out there until probably they've become old bands. <laughs> I mean, that's, mm-hmm. uh, there is a, uh, I am, uh, this is where I definitely rely on some of the upfront guys to like, tell me what's just come out or things like that. <laughs> Actually, there's been a few things on this podcast that I was like, Oh, I should really check them out. You know, <laughs> um, man, who should people listen? You see that's, uh, I don't know how I can answer that. I mean, I'd be like, go listen to verbal assault. <laughs> yeah I, I mean that's the I, I would thing. not like, like I would not be angry about that answer I think everyone should listen to verbal assault uh, yeah there's there's I, I think uh, uh, it's just it's such a it's it's so weird to to think about like you know okay well what new band have I really been listening to that I think everybody should should check out and um 
Hell, I just today I just ordered the the repress from Trust Records of the Seven Seconds Walk Together Rock Together. Yeah, yeah. Right? Everybody yeah, should listen yeah. to that. If you haven't listened to that, you yeah. need to listen to that. I, yeah. I you know, um, uh, interestingly enough, over the last little bit, I've been uh, because they're that three song EP just came out. The new uh, the One Step Closer. Uh, yeah. Oh God. Um, which. And I really have been, uh, for some reason as of late, I've been listening to the last album, right? Or their, their only full length album that came out, what, September of last year? Of 2021, I think. Um, I believe so. I believe it was on uh, Alex's top for 21. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for some reason, I've been listening it's, to that, that a lot. It's cool, though, why. that like you're listening to new bands, like new, like, hardcore bands. Yeah. And I, I listen to them, and I think, uh, and I always, I always hate doing this because everybody, I'm, I always hate when it happens to me. Like, oh, you sound like so and so, and I'm like, well, okay, fine. But I mean, you know, to hear them and hear their style of throwing, thinking of like bands like Turning Point. I mean, I mm-hmm. hear a lot of that style in their thing. And Turning Point was a band that I saw when I lived in Buffalo before moving away. You know, um, but yeah, so things like that and. <clears throat> Hell, I just got the new uh, Soulside album that came out not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another band that I listened to their older stuff, and I think, wow, this stuff was really, this was really good. People yeah. should listen to this. Who knows? Who knows who Soulside is? That you know, I think people yeah. would really like them. But I think definitely a heavily overlooked band. Yeah, I remember seeing them at the River Rock. They opened for Seven Seconds. I think it. Uh, it was uh february of 89 yeah I think it was february it was it was on their tour with their for their their that second album um the it was the glitter glue show i often reference it do you? <laughs> i stopped i i stopped listening to seven seconds after that show oh no because <laughs> uh because i was right up front there was a whole there was a you, whole thing you were probably right next to me Probably. I was definitely up like, front. I was, I was at like, that show right in front and, of, uh, uh-huh. like on the the right side up front, and there's just a glitter glue peace sign at eye level that I just saw the entire show, and I was just like, <laughs> "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah, because that would that would have been so. Aiden, was that the ourselves tour? That no. Um, I'm not sure because I didn't listen to anything past uh, Walk Together, Rock Together. You didn't even like New but Wind? I know that that was in the Soul Force New Wind era. Oh, Praise okay. was actually the last thing I listened to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I remember the you know, fucking set- glitter glue and I, just, I couldn't get past it <laughs> for fucking decades. I could not get fucking past it for fucking decades. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and this is the the interesting thing, right? Right, because Seven Seconds was like, going back to the very beginning here, right? As I said, that was the first show I saw. Seven Seconds, Verbal Assault, Youth of Today, mm-hmm. right? I will listen to those bands anytime. You know, it's often that uh, you know, as I scroll through the however many thousands of songs I have, I'm like, oh, well, let me just go to this. I might as well listen to Seven Seconds because can't really go wrong. Um, right. And man, I listen to Verbal Assault all the time did you did you see them in their last like in their latest run no unfortunately the closest they came that's the other unfortunate thing about living here in santa fe is 
there's not a lot of bands that come through Santa Fe. There's not a lot of mm-hmm. bands that come through even Albuquerque, which is again only an hour away, so it's not a not a big deal. Um, like Madball just played Albuquerque uh, middle of December, but I'm not the biggest Madball They're, fan, and I saw them yeah. so many times that it's. Yeah. But for me to go to shows, I I have to drive to Denver, which is like six hours away. So if there's something that I really want to see, I'm driving mm-hmm. up to that area or I'm flying down to Dallas, you know, something like that. Right. So, um, so, yeah, I really wanted to get back to the East Coast. Uh, for the uh, verbal assault shows, like I was trying with with Chris from V Card, I was trying. I was like, "Oh, okay, we got. I got to make this work." And it just, it didn't. I, I guess the good thing is, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing and seeing more from them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they're doing a West Coast run uh, pretty soonish. Yeah, I know they did some. So it's just the you know, like that. Uh, uh, luckily enough, I mean, I saw them. I mean, I saw them in the first time. Well, how many times did they play? I saw them at that underdog show uh, that was where there was no PA. <laughs> that Foister. The fo- I was funny. I was listening to the Foister interview because that one was, I needed to listen to that one to hopefully jog my memory on, on shows and things like that since Foister, you know, uh, was responsible for all of those. Uh so as he was talking about various shows, you were asking, I'm like, oh, yeah, that show. Oh, yeah, that show. <laughs> <laughs> so I was lucky, you know, being where I was when I was. I mean, we saw, I saw Verbal Assault so many times, and it never yeah. gets old. Never. Yeah. Always yeah. just put on an amazing I, I show. will say I, I saw them here. Uh, they were great, but time has caught up to them. And, uh, and maybe it was an off night, but the drummer was like, I can't, I don't remember his name, but he was like a half beat slow. Yeah. You know, but there, it was still great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like a, a, a funny sort of, uh, like sort of things happening where you cross paths. And so I moved to Boston, um, and as I would mention, Vic Bondi was there because he was he was actually at that point he was getting his PhD. Because I don't know if you know about if anybody on this that listens to this podcast. I mean, if you know Vic Bondi, he is one smart fella. Um, and uh, so he's getting his like PhD in history and all this stuff. But he had this band that called uh, Alloy uh, that he had started and. I had a van and he was like, Hey, and this guy, Pat Mahoney, who is another Boston guy who's played in a bunch of bands. Uh, uh, so Pat and Vic were like, Hey, we need to go practice, uh, with, with, you know, out in Western mass was, and he's like, do you think you could drive us in your van? Cause we're going to bring some equipment. So I was like, yeah, sure. So here we are, we drive out there, and who's who's the rhythm section for this band alloy? It's Colin Sears and Roger Marbury from Dagnasty. <laughs> and their roommate was Peter. <laughs> it was Pete from Verbal Singer Verbal Assault. I like walk into this off off campus housing to to hang out and like basically just drive, you know, just drive some gear out there and hang. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I am yeah. uh this is weird. 
and awesome. But that's the kind of stuff that I was like, this is, you know, you can't, there's, there's nothing in your life that you will do that you can consciously make a decision like that, that, you know, will turn out. No, because, you know, I'm like, Hey, Colin, like Colin and I are hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I yeah. be There's another talk. band you should listen to. You should listen to Can I Say as much as you want. You should listen to Wig Out at Denko's as much as you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even even uh, Field Day. Like, Field Day, people people poop on it, but Field Day is a pretty solid record. I, uh, I did not like that album when it came out, um, and I love it. When <laughs> yeah. it first came out, I was like, oh, they've done this change. But I saw them... I saw them I saw them on the tour. I think that was still when they did some shows at like the metal shop. I think uh I think I saw them on I think I saw Field I think I saw the Field Day tour at the metal shop. Although it could have been Pipe Dragon, mm-hmm. but um you know, I probably still have it. I'm pretty sure I still have a dog tag t-shirt. Like they they that. just reprinted them and I got one cuz yeah. uh I never had one and I then I always thought it was a great design. Great design, yep. not the best record, but the great design. Yeah, yeah. And I've been getting into uh, i i like I like Field Day as the band. I was just about Field to ask Day. if you've seen Field Day. No, I mean again, they didn't. Uh, I when I talked to so I I've had some exchanges with Doug about some stuff, and uh, I was like, you know, what does it take for for you guys to do shows? And he's like, it has to be there's a there's a geographic thing where it's like we got to fly into here and we have to do three shows over a weekend that we can get to all in a day and so mm-hmm. and they have to be this size rooms <clears throat> kind of this is what we're looking for and and I'm not into really promoting shows so for me to be like okay well, well let's see we could fly you into Denver and then you can drive down to Albuquerque and then we'll figure out a third show somewhere you know so yeah. I doubt they'll be coming anywhere particularly close to this i'll have to if i want to catch yeah. them it'll i'll have to be i'll have to go out to like the west coast would would probably it's, be how it would work out it's interesting because their sound check they play their original stuff but then when it's time for them to play they just do diagnostic yeah yep <laughs> yep so they have like this really long sound check <laughs> you know, like 10 song sound check it doesn't surprise me <laughs> uh, but I it mean, was fun like uh, yeah. it was fun yeah, I I give it to him for you know writing new stuff. But if I if I went to go see that, I would want to hear Wig Out. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least like Dave Smalley does with Don't Sleep. Does a Don't Sleep song. Does a Dagnasty song. Does a Don't Sleep song. Does a Dagnasty song. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and it just it just blows my mind that there could be at any time three Dagnasties out there, <laughs> <laughs> like any given moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, even the stuff they did, you know, when they like the minority of one and and four on the floor, you know, I I don't I like those albums, uh, but I always go back to Can I Say or Wig Out. I mean, yeah, yeah somebody, absolutely. You know, it's just it's just a, it's just from when I grew up, and I I and I don't think I'm a, I'm definitely not alone in that, but I'm sure there are other people that would that might look to a later album you know but i doubt uh, it yeah I, yeah it's I don't, probably I, true I think like, you know universally i think everyone agrees can i say and wake out is optimal diagnosti uh and, you know like minority of one was fine 
four on the floor was fine, but I, I never listened to them. Yeah, I think or it was just because. To them. Yeah, I think it's because sort of you know it was like the lineup. Oh, we're back to the the original lineup kind of yeah. thing, mm-hmm. or almost original lineup. Almost original, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But even that that um that seven inch that they did within the last ten years with Sean on vocals. Yeah, yeah. While it doesn't sound like that nasty to me, it's it's they're good songs. Right, right. Yeah. Man, there's another band I listen to still all the time, Swizz. You know, speaking yeah. with Sean, uh, uh, man, you know, that's uh, all that stuff is so, so good. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, Swizz is great. And I, I really appreciate that those guys, when they get back together, they do a different bands. Yeah. Yeah. You yep. know, yeah. It's, it's Swizz, right Sweet Belly, Freak Down, Red Hair. It's like the same, same people, but it's like, nope, that's yeah, yeah. Past. This is what we're doing now. Yeah, it's funny because I forget about like the I, I'll go and listen to Swizz and then I'll I'll be like, oh yeah, red hair. Hmm. Yeah. Forgot, you know, because I think the other the other interesting thing now is there's so much more that's hitting us music wise on a daily yeah. basis to keep oh, yeah. up with it. Back yeah. then, again, going back to like listening to to BNY before I was even really going to shows or just getting into it, right? I would hear these bands and it would be like, okay, I mean, I to get to get the Can I Say album, I actually put $5, a $5 bill in an envelope <laughs> with a note. I would like to order Dag Nasty Can I Say Please. Return to, and I walked down the street and put this put this envelope in a, in a mailbox. And sure enough, however long it was later, this album shows up. I was like, oh my God. And that was the... Uh, so, you know, but that was at that time, it was like, okay, Dag Nasty. And then from there, you'd hear about some other bands and it was, you could sort of stay on top of what was going on. Now, I, I, I don't know how you have to, you basically have to be subscribed to various podcasts or music things or get on, you know, various Spotify playlists to, to keep up. I mean, with it's also um, like the Spotify new release. That's where I'll find stuff because they're like, it's just a playlist of one song from everything that came out on that Friday. Right, right, yeah. right. Or not everything, but the things that are in your interest by based off of what you listen to. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing is like you do that, and then you miss like you're busy doing something, and then like two Fridays go by, and you're like, oh god, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've, yep. got so much to, I've got so much to listen to, but I've got to, I've got to mix, I got to do this other stuff where I'm, you know, working on other people's music. So sometimes you're not thinking about, oh, I need to go listen to these these other things. So you kind of have to take a Take a break. Kind of like listening to the NCS podcast. I have to okay. like, I have to be like, oh, it's been a month and there's a whole bunch of new episodes. I need to scroll through and see, yeah. what, see what I want to <laughs> listen to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that you listen to it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I, I think it's really cool. I mean, I didn't, I, 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 I have a love hate relationship with Buffalo for sure. Like I did not love, mm-hmm. I did not, I did not have a good time growing up there to some degree I was, but, but to, to know, to know what this scene, where it came from. Cause I feel like I was there kind of towards the beginning of it really becoming something. Uh, mm-hmm. And not that I know anything about what's happened now, especially because I don't, I, I don't know where bands, you know, how, where bands play and what bands come through and, um, yeah. you know, if it's still that kind of scene, I can't imagine, right. Every scene is 
gone through, has gone through however many iterations at this point. Um, you know, I just don't know if it's, if there's still a big scene where, I mean, I know from the podcast and just stuff, I know there are bands, but I just don't know if it's like that. Hey, it's, it's another weekend. We're all going to the river rock for whatever show there is. Cause that's kind of what it Not was. Not so much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right. I mean, yeah. that's, I pretty much remember it was like, if it was the weekend, I was going to be at the river rock. It didn't matter what mm-hmm. the show was. And before the river rock, it was whatever, whatever was happening you know, in pipe, pipe dragon, dragon metal shop, uh, yep. wherever painters hall, like, uh, yep. St. George's like wherever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I think it's the same. In a lot of places those, there's just those, those venues just haven't, <clears throat> if when they go there's not something that replaces them uh so it's pretty hard for for a scene to to continue when there isn't a spot for it to to sort of culminate and grow so yeah yeah not to leave it on a sad note but yeah (laughs) no but i mean certain realities of things i mean like i mean to touch on like i didn't have a good time growing up in buffalo and i had a very love-hate relationship with buffalo and then one day it was just like you know what buffalo was actually pretty awesome and people need to know that yeah yeah you know compared to comparatively speaking to a lot of other places and and buffalo has such a rich history and buffalo was a major stop for every band that mattered mm-hmm. you know and and you know i was like you know what people need to know that's like fuck that yeah. yeah yeah i mean i can't uh i can't imagine what uh i mean with all the shows we went to again all of those all of those things that were happening at that time there was something to do every weekend you mm-hmm. know if not sometimes you know a couple of times in a week when it was really crazy yeah. right the summer times was like I felt like I was going to a show every night <laughs> Yeah, without hesitation. It wasn't like, Oh, I've got, oh, I've got to go back to that. Oh, I'm tired. No, yeah, it's like, yeah. we're going, we're going to a show. Everybody ha- get in the van. We're going. Yeah. Like, Matt, Matt, I'll pick you up here. And who else do we got to grab along the way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> On that note, uh, Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for, for, uh, doing this podcast. And well, I hope it, I hope when at the end of the day, this is something, some, I don't know, maybe somebody will listen to this and be like, Oh, that guy. <laughs> uh, I, I think, I think there's, there's going to be, there's going to be a bunch of people that listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like man. I can probably name three or four right off the top of my head without thinking. There we go. <laughs> Max four. (laughs) (laughs) You hit them all. Um, No, but again, I really do. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you bringing me on and, uh, and uh, making, making me, letting me talk for the last uh, hour and a half or two hours. Oof. (laughs) <laughs> yeah for not for not being a talker you talked it up yeah <laughs> well thanks for spurring uh spurring on the conversation and and uh asking me stuff that i that i actually could talk about <laughs> <laughs> no no major curveballs thank you <laughs> yeah yeah Whew, survived <laughs> well gentlemen thank you again and have a great evening and uh I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Bye.
that we bring will heal them.